Okay, so I need everyone to sound check and I need you to not just say test, test, but I need you to talk continuously. JV? Um, I'm JD and this one is for the boys with the booming system, top down AC with the cooling system. When they come up in the club, he be blazing up. He got stacks on deck like saving up any ill hero. He might got a deal. Pop bottles and he got the right kind of deal. He cope, he dope, he might sell coke. He always in the air, but he never fly coach. All right, that's what you get from me. Um, That's going to be our cold opener. <laughs> 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 Just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new. You're listening to Remodeled, the podcast. Remodeled is a project whose goal is to expand the cultural narrative on healthy relationships in order to include ethical non-monogamy, non-partnered, asexual, open, and more. We are here to redefine love. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new. My mask is caught on my earring. Mm. Okay. Hey everyone, welcome to Remodeled the Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Mrs. Daylover. In the Dream Life studio with me tonight, Mr. Daylover. How we doing? <laughs> And we are so excited to have back, and I know the fans are, and we've even received emails about how much joy it brings people to have you in this triad. It's JD Montalongo. Okay, so how come you didn't forward me those emails? You're right. No, I need to. And honestly, (laughs) the fan mail is coming in from everywhere right now. It's like, it's on Reddit, it's on Instagram, it's on email, and so sometimes I like read something to clear a notification Mm. and then like lose track of it. But I will. Cool. Send the parts it that concern me, you're like, we can disregard. But the parts that are about <laughs> you, you're just like, oh no, those are the ones I want to keep in screenshot. I get it. That's totally. Right. No, I really do because it really made me happy. Somebody said they really liked your voice. Shut up. Uh, oh, I fucked that up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Nobody said that about me. And if you did, you can find me online. Um, I'm really glad that you're back. I was proud to do episode three with just Joe and I, mm-hmm. you know, to not be needy. <laughs> but we missed you. You wanted some flavor to the spicy chicken. Yeah. <laughs> that is precisely what we need. Yeah, totally. Um, so JD is the host of your fave bad movie, which we plugged uh, in episode two. And after you told the listeners what your fave bad movie, the podcast is at the end, you said, and I hope to make your fave bad movie someday. Cause you're, you know, a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I wanted you to unpack that a little more. Like you want to intentionally make a bad movie. Is that a genre? Do people um, already do that? So people who intentionally make bad movies do meet their goal, but it's not fun for anybody. <laughs> Um, I want to put in my all. I want to give you an experience. I want to give you everything that I possibly have, like for the whole two years of pre-production, writing, actual production, post-production. We have to do this whole like thing around the world promoting the movie. And I want you to watch and be like, wow, damn, this was bad. But I kind of had fun. And that's that's the movie that I want to make. I feel like you could do it. And I'd be like, I don't know why I love this bad movie so much. Oh, yeah, I'm going to like. I, I can't make an Inception. I'm not going to make a Parasite, but I can give you Trolls too. I can do that so easily. I can give you Friday the 13th Part 8. It's going to be so ex- I can do that. And I need to recognize where my talents lay. Yeah. And if I'm never going to win an Academy Award, what I do want is a Razzie more than anything. And you don't win a Razzie on purpose. 
but you do. I will. There's another way you can catch JD. And if you haven't like heard me just love bombing this one over here, which is a narcissistic tactic of mine, by the way. Um, mm. <laughs> don't don't mm, stop. Stop the moaning. Um, you are one of my favorite creators and you have a YouTube show, a weekly YouTube show with my other favorite creator. And this is not hyperbole. You have a YouTube show on Ghostlight TV with Christopher Daniels. Tell the listeners all about it it's really really fun because as i had previously stated i understand my strengths my talents and my weaknesses because i'm just an overall great person who's like well known and requires no further growing um and on the show chris and i decided okay week one of quarantine we immediately went into production mode because we're like we need to do something we might not know how long we're going to be here what if we just create this fun show for the people at home how to survive like these troubling times so we're like oh what if every week was an apocalyptic theme and then every week after that was not it was just something casual like how to survive being single how to survive being an only parent how to survive having the munchies but having no snacks at home while mixed along with how to survive vampires how to survive werewolves how to survive demon japanese ghost girls so we have a beautiful blend on it we provide you our movie recommendations as to uh, for the things that we learned from it and it's called the deadweight survival guide because we also provide you tips on us being the deadweights of any apocalyptic group we would not survive <laughs> but here's how far we have survived and here's what we could teach to you yeah. the people at home who also would not survive because we can't make fire we can't cook anything we can't make water out of like the lake or whatever but you know what you can do you can provide entertainment absolutely and that is essential look at at the quarantine i don't want to i don't want to live in the apocalyptic world where there isn't entertainment like there's a certain level where i'm just gonna peace out you know what i mean yeah even mad max had tina turner in it like don't you dare say Mad Max in this. That's studio. a sore spot in it's the Day Lover household. That's I don't know if you've true. seen those. I'm, no, of course Thunderdome not. Thunderdome with Tina Turner slaps. Do you know my whole life? I Because Christopher Daniels, of course, always references Tina Turner's Thunderdome whenever he's making a joke. <laughs> my whole life, I thought it was a, just a famous concert of hers. <laughs> That's what I thought it was, like some arena performance that was epic. <laughs> Really? Yeah. See, this is. Why I didn't we're know married. it was a movie. This is this why is we're married. <laughs> now you guys have to watch the Underdome and be like, I liked it better when I thought it was a concert. <laughs> she does play a baddie in it, though. It's a poor adaptation. <laughs> it's a poor adaptation of her concert. How dare they? So for real, look up Ghostlight TV on YouTube. You can also support Ghostlight TV, which goes to support theater companies here in Reno that are struggling to survive this mm. pandemic. And the reason that you and Chris are my favorite creators is because you're so intelligent and you're so funny. And those two things together make such great content for me. And so, yes. Um. Okay, so this is episode four. Last week, I put out an Ask Us Anything post through all of our social media channels saying that um, fans, listeners, whatever. And by the way, our podcast just hit over 700 downloads that's what it's all about miss thing yeah. yes yeah and so we have a lot of people listening that feels really good so i put it out you know you can ask us anything about joe and my's relationship about polyamory in general or about a specific situation that you're navigating that you want our honest feedback about and i put a disclaimer in there that said like prepare for our brutal honesty a brutal meaning it might feel brutal to you because it may not be what you were ready to hear and so if you wrote in you're getting what you're getting because we're here for the honesty and the accountability and this lifestyle i don't want to say it's not for everyone 
it just requires a lot. Right. And we're not going to sugarcoat anything. So I want you here not just as guest host. I want you to actually have a voice in this. I want you to have an opinion. Your polyamory is different than ours. You're a little bit younger. You have, you tread that millennial Gen Z cusp. Mm -hmm. Um, And before we get started, I talked about this in the last episode. I would love to go around really quickly and for everyone to just declare their own privileges and biases and identities that you're comfortable declaring so that listeners can have this context when listening to our advice. Because for me, it was really important. You need to know who I am before you can take anything I say seriously, because I have a lot of privilege and you need to know that before you can take a piece of advice from me. I got this idea from a black TikToker and I'm kicking myself that I cannot remember her name, Um, but she was like, you should start everything by listing your privileges and biases always. I love that. Me too. Life-changing. So my privileges and biases, I'm going to restate them every episode. I'm white. I'm queer, but I present in a heterosexual cisgendered marriage. We have couples privilege. We are well taken care of, even though we ourselves are low income. Um, I'm able-bodied. I had access to education. And I am wired for polyamory in such a way that I don't understand not being polyamorous. And so that's a bias that I feel like people need to know when they listen to my advice on polyamory. I am white, cisgendered, heterosexual male. So pretty much the worst (laughs) human in existence is what that translates to. I have all kinds of privilege, able-bodied privilege, neurological privilege. I have economic status privilege in a way. I have academic privilege. I mean, it's just kind of everywhere. And I'm sure there's a lot that I'm not thinking of at the moment. I try to maintain this outlook of there are so many different ways that privilege shows up. By its nature, you can't be aware of all of them. I am a beautiful Latinx, trans, non-binary, queer icon of color. I am bisexual, so I'm just attracted to attractive people, uh, to my soul, not necessarily in good looks, because there's some like hot people that I just can't stand. And some ugly people that I'm just like, you could... You can attack this crack. You can have whatever you want. (laughs) Um, My privileges, I did have access to education. Also, I'm a person that people like, so I get away with a lot more things than most other people. And I really had to tune in with that because my privileges led me to believe that I could say offensive or off-color things and be like, no, but it's okay because it's a joke, as opposed to just actually regarding what I'm saying. So I am currently working on that. It's very, very exciting to be a part of that process. I wish I would have started a lot sooner, but people are keeping me in check now and I'm keeping myself in check now. So I'm very, really excited to learn about my biases and my privileges. As a polyamorous person, I have also had the bias against people who don't necessarily understand polyamory because a lot of their problems that they would come to also think about me as a Taurus. So I'm always right. That's also a privilege and a bias. Um, <laughs> It's the fact that people would come to me with their issues and I'd be like, monogamy, monogamy is a problem here. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, literally, if you could just accept the fact that other people could love you and you could love other people outside of your main partner, none of these would be issues. Yes. And that's a bias that I have because I really, truly do not understand what the issue is. And I'll sit there slack jaw just like. (laughs) There are two of us in this room right now. Joe plays the more compassionate, empathetic role in that. So we have somewhat of a balance. (laughs) <laughs> like, a girl texted my man the other day and I was like, this is his mom. And she's like, no other girl should be texting my man. And I'm like, I, you are just holding on to so much that I cannot do and I will not do. And I want to go have fun and be her. 
I love you so much. Okay, so with that out of the way, um, we had a lot of questions come in via Instagram. Um, I got some Reddit DMs, um, got some DMs on TikTok, and then we have an anonymous form that you can fill out at homesliceproductions.com slash remodeled, and I believe this first email is from there. Perfect. This first email is from Redacted, and it reads, Jess, how did you bring up to Joe that you wanted to explore polyamory? I know where you learned about it from the first episode, but how did you express to him that it was something you felt you wanted to try? What would you have done if he had not opened up to the idea? Also, have either of you ever felt disconnected from each other because of the emotional bond the other had with someone else? I love the podcast and I love learning about this from you too. First of all, thank you for your very thoughtful email. Um, This is one of the few emails that I think is written in a way you can't hear the person's triggers in the email. And I appreciate that. Talk about that a lot in episode three. Always reminding my listeners, you're not responsible for my triggers. <laughs> but, but I am going to let you know when I think your email sucks. <laughs> um, so this email is lovely. So I want to take it kind of line by line. Um, when did you let Joe know you or how did you let Joe know? And I have to say this question I get a lot. How do I tell my partner I'm thinking about I want to be polyamorous or I think I am polyamorous or I'd like to try it? You know, I was prepping for the show and I was thinking, I have a very specific memory before we were polyamorous. So this would have been like 2011. Um, So two years before we like became polyamorous and had that whole novel unfold. I had a crush on somebody who was doing a show that we were in. And I had just met this new young, and I have, I'm such a talent sucker. Like if you are talented, I'm probably going to have a crush on you. And it was the first relationship outside of Joe where it wasn't just like, oh, I have a work crush or I have a work husband. It was like, oh my God, I have a crush. Like I'm thinking about this person when I masturbate or I can't wait to see them. And I am just, I have a lot of energy. There seems to be something there. Like I'm crushing. And I remember like thinking I should tell Joe kind of from a place of like, I didn't want to feel guilty about it. But I also like there wasn't a lot of fear there because I didn't know polyamory was an option. And it was just me telling Joe, who's a very understanding person, just so you know, I am crushing on person X. And I just wanted to tell you because I like get kind of giddy when they're around. And also like I'm having these weird feelings and I feel wrong keeping it from you. And I I actually do have a memory of telling you that I felt wrong keeping it from you. Do you have do you have any memory of this? Vaguely. And it's not surprising because I feel like we've always been able to tell each other when we had an attraction to another person. And this might have been a little bit stronger than that. So it doesn't seem off brand for us. So when a lot of people ask me this question, I feel kind of... I don't feel bad, but I feel like we might not be the best example of maybe what someone is like hoping for like a life jacket for where they're coming from because we never had, first of all, a classic monogamy relationship. Mm -hmm. And within that, we didn't have a toxic monogamy relationship. So it would have never been, he wasn't going to bro out on me for telling him that I had a crush on someone. So otherwise, the answer to your question is you heard the burger me story and then... I never let it drop from that day. I want to be polyamorous. I want to be polyamorous. And so if you listen to episode one, you know that story. Um, And then I think her next question is like, what would you have done if Joe didn't want to be polyamorous? Mm -hmm. It's really hard for me to answer this because I just can't fathom a world in which 
Joe wasn't my life partner. But I do remember saying, if this is not what you want, then it means that we are not compatible. And in dealing with romantic relationships and even friendships, I have really come to love the language of compatibility because it doesn't say you're bad or you're wrong or you need to change. It's just a really neutral judgment. I want this, you don't, we're not compatible. Um, So I remember, it was never an ultimatum, but I remember tossing it out there that if you don't want this, then we're not compatible and we need to have a discussion. And Joe, what was this conversation like for you? Did it take you by surprise that Jess would offer this up? Did you expect a different outcome during this situation? I don't think so. It seemed like the natural progression of things. My experience was like, was remembering that I was nervous. I knew this was what I wanted, but I wasn't ready. And I pushed myself further along than I actually was. And so in the first episode, Jess mentioned what she would have done differently. What I would have done differently was say, I want this, but I just need some time to sit with it and think about and think about it a little bit and what it could look like for us. And I need you to honor that boundary is what I would have said. Was there more to that question? Have either of you ever felt disconnected from each other because of the emotional bond the other had with someone else? I really appreciate the place that that question is coming from in the asker. I want to honor that sometimes if you are new to polyamory, the feeling that you are experiencing a disconnection because your partner is liking someone else is often, often can be an illusion. It's the monogamous programming in your brain that says if they're experiencing a connection with someone else, they must be pulling away from me. Mm-hmm. But I also want to honor that sometimes if you're not good at polyamory yet, or it's not who you are, that the feeling of disconnection that someone might be feeling could be real. Like, I don't want to say that it's always in your head, but it, it could be either one of those things. Like, it's totally possible that if you are in your shit, you have no assistance, you have no mentors to help you, and all of your triggers are coming up with the sharing of your partner, you might be, I imagine this like inner child kicking and screaming, like, I'm feeling you slipping away. And the other person's like, I'm right here. Right. And it's totally in their head and it's all their fears coming up and it's not real at all. But also, people can get lost in the NRE, the new relationship energy, and they can start to pull away because they haven't trained themselves to learn how to regulate their own energy. And so it could be real too. Um, So her question is, have I ever felt that way? I've never felt that way, but I'm sure that Joe has. And I would say that I, in fact, did pull away from you in that first twin flame. Yeah, I remember feeling that way. And knowing that it would pass. I think it was a combination of this was this was not the way it should have happened. And also I had confidence that we would find find the right container and that this was temporary. And part of it was I also wanted you to have your fun and I knew that you would that it was short-lived or that it was I don't want to say a phase but just this level of disconnection was not a preview of the future. Oh, that's beautiful. What about you? I can understand where people feel disconnect. There are people who I've met who are very protective of their love and feel like they have love of limited quantities. I am very thankful and privileged to have grown up in a community and with as many great people around me that I knew that my love was limitless. Like I I could love just as much as I possibly could, but also then turn around and give that same love to, or a different kind of love, but the same amount of love to Joe and realize I'm not depleted in love. Mm-hmm. I have all this love to give. And when I had a conversation with my partner about the fact that I was polyamorous, but am willing to maintain a monogamous relationship, 
until we have those conversations, until it's a comfortable moment for us. One of my favorite moments was my partner actually participating in another relationship and then coming home to me and telling me about it. And I was like, there, we have never been closer. We can, in fact, talk about all these different feelings. I can help guide him through things. He can help guide me through things as we did in a wonderful relationship. And the disconnect was not there. Having the chance to share love or sex with other people was a very, very exciting thing. And specific to mine, my partner knew that he had someone to come home to who was going to love him, who's going to help him out. If it was a good day a bad day, I was going to be there to listen and be excited too. Cause I was, I truly genuinely love that experience for all of us. And for me, it was never a question of like, can we participate in polyamory for me? I was like, I am polyamorous. I will have crushes on other people. I want to tell you about them because I think it's really, really exciting. I want you to tell me about yours. And so that just helped foster this beautiful communication with us. And we were able to teach each other that love can just keep going on and that there was no rules for it. There was no limit to it. So there was never a disconnect between us in those ways. Totally. That was good for you. And I'm, I just love you so much. And I'm so proud that such a young person figured that out. I think when a person struggles with that, and in my case, this was certainly true, you're susceptible to the belief that love is finite and that you're experiencing a deep connection with someone else detracts from the relationship that we have somehow and that's just simply not true as we know that love is infinite and these different dynamics and relationships coincide and can improve each other but to tell the truth about myself because i was having a very intense twin flame nre experience but wasn't an, a good polyam person yet mm-hmm. I think that I was pulling love because my brain didn't know how to not finite my love. Mm. And so I just want to tell the truth about myself that I remember being like, just because I was had so much dismantling to do and was dismantling in real time. You know, one of our goals with this podcast is that people can dismantle by consuming media. Before they're in a situation, (laughs) but we didn't have that luxury. And so I was dismantling while trying to maintain two loves. And I do think that I pulled and began to emotionally distance myself as a form of self-sabotage. So if Joe said, yes, I remember feeling distant because your love was somewhere else, I would say, yeah, that was probably real. Whereas in healthy polyam situations, your love will actually increase Mm -hmm. the way you described, JD. And the fear that monogamous people have of the love getting smaller is not only incorrect, but the opposite of correct. Because your love, you actually end up feeling closer to your partner when they share love with someone else. And let's also be clear that this same danger we mentioned inside of a polyam relationship exists inside of a monogamous one, too. I mean, people have better relationships with their freaking dogs and their animals and their cats than they do with their partners and give more love to things that aren't going to contest their authority than to their main partner. And in general, it's something we don't say about friends. And I'm always going to bring it back to this, especially if you are new to polyam or you're a monogamous person listening out of curiosity. That is not something you would tell a friend. So if a friend was like, oh my God, I met this new person at work and she's so one of us and we hang out all the time on lunch breaks and she's going to start coming to the bars with us on Fridays. Maybe, and I do know some toxic girl world you might move into some jealousy and fear of like sharing your friend. Mm -hmm. 
but that's just more of a symptom of the same problem. But in general, your brain doesn't go there. Right. Great. More people for the commune. As long as they can vibe, honestly. The more people, the merrier. Yeah, so I really... I want you to question why your brain would never question the addition of more friends, but it would question the addition of more romantic lovers to your partner. And could it possibly be that the culture has programmed you to believe that they're different? And I would like to add on to that because that also is a reflection of like the love that you allow yourself to give to other people. Uh, yes. So if you're so sheltered in your love, that could potentially be damaging the other relationships that you have where if you're like, oh, I can't talk to two people in one day because I only have the emotional capacity to love on one person one day, you're hurting your other relationship. You have to be invested in all these different relationships, whether it's your friends, your partners, your family, your work relationships, all of that requires something from you. And you're going to be hella exhausted and hella love depleted if you feel like you only have... 10 loves you can give out in one day. And what if someone calls you first thing in the morning and needs seven of them? You only have three for the rest of the day. Whereas if you just are practicing unconditional love, the gift of love, you're just like, you can do with my love whatever you want. I'm here to give it to you. And I'm here to receive yours if that's something that you are willing to share with me. And in my relationship, I was always very thankful because I never questioned the love that my partner had for me. It was always so exciting. Like there's a specific look on their face when they would see me come home after something and it would just light me up. And I was like, damn, I really care about them, huh? Because it was just like a magnificent feeling. And that's not necessarily the same feeling they would give to someone else, even if that's someone that you're dating, but that's a special thing you can hold for yourself. And that just like, that's what makes it worth it. That's what makes it so good. That is so metaphysically accurate and on point. Um, And something that Joe talked about in episodes one and two, and this is something that a lot of experienced polyam people and polyam literature will tell you so this isn't novel is that ultimately and ironically polyamory will bring you back to a relationship with yourself can you read exactly the way she phrased that last question have either of you ever felt disconnected from each other because of the emotional bond the other had with someone else if you really broke that down what you would find is that in a healthy situation, you are experiencing disconnection because your partner is connecting with another romantic partner. I, I get this vision of like a plug being pulled out of a wall. So you have this codependent monogamous relationship and your plugs are plugged into each other. Mm -hmm. And now that person is pulling out their plug to go plug into someone else. And your plug is just sitting here, not plugged into anything. And you're like, I'm feeling disconnected. Bitch, that's when you got to plug into yourself or plug into God, plug into art, plug into a hobby. Because if you cannot disconnect from your partner without feeling literally emotionally disconnected, then ultimately what polyamory is showing you is that you ain't right with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you need to work on your self-care and you need to get into a place where you can be alone without feeling disconnected. Before we take a break... And there's no time limit on this. We got an email that um, was so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and not run-of-the-mill ridiculous. No. Like, actually ridiculous. And JD, I'm going to need you to turn it up all the way. Like, your sass, like, everything. Not just for when you read it, but for when we tear it apart. Now, here's the thing. This is not a safe space in the progressive white girl sense of the word. <laughs> if you write in with some fuckery, I'm going to call it out, Okay. So do not be writing into remodel love if you are not prepared to be held accountable for the fuckery inside your email. So JD, please read this email. Get your popcorn out, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> this is a question for Joe and Jessica. Joe, does it bother you that Jessica is dating while pregnant with your baby? 
She might be having sex on this date since you don't get permission anymore. What are your thoughts about your baby being subjected to a rollover car crash type incident while Jessica makes love? Jessica, it must be hard enough dating while not pregnant. Are there guys who will date a pregnant lady? Is banging a woman carrying another man's baby a niche fetish? Thank you for such a brilliantly worded question. As we like to say here at Remodel Love, your interest is appreciated. And we are here to, to tackle all of your queries. I think the first one was for me was how, how do I feel about her dating while she's pregnant? Heartily approve. I think that's great because it's an emotionally turbulent time and to have all that pressure placed upon me is difficult to deal with. And so again, division of labor. <laughs> quite literally in this in this case and she might be having sex while she's on dates she better be having sex while she's on dates i mean we got a kid y'all there's only so much time that we have and we want to make the most of our time and if she's getting laid on dates fucking great that means it's going to be good for her emotional physical psychological spiritual help next question ladies he is looking (laughs) that's my man's right there why do i feel like this email was written by a white man i don't think that's in dispute rollover car crash wow it's a tough world that we live in you know baby's gonna have to learn how to navigate it somehow might as well start while he's in the womb i mean (laughs) you you, uh there's no (laughs) we do them no favors by sheltering them from the difficult realities of this place that we live just like we said in our last episode and so we might as well expose them to it early you know we find that it's a better approach Also, are they assuming that you and Jessica are not having rollover car crash kind of sex? This email is so fucking sexist Mm -hmm. and codependent, toxic masculinity to the core. I cannot, to the point that a couple people were like, oh, you got your first troll. Like, this is so insane of an email that this is obviously a troll. And what makes me really sad is I think it's probably not a troll. (laughs) I'm 50-50. I'm torn, quite honestly. What if I told you I sent this email? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would actually believe that. would better be things to do than to make people feel bad. Okay, so Joe already answered the like how, what if Jessica is having sex on these dates since you don't ask permission anymore? Joe does not own me. Uh, right there. First and foremost. <laughs> like, um, and just the idea that obviously someone i'm having sex with wouldn't be respectful of my wants and needs or my body and would use me in a way that joe would have a problem with that could potentially endanger his baby what kind of sick fuck wrote this fucking email and are you fucking listening because get off my podcast yeah this person clearly (laughs) did not write this with actual concern and more of a heavy-handed bias against what you guys are doing so fuck this person yeah well and then there's what really gets me is the last part jessica i imagine as a fat ugly woman it's already hard enough for you to date that's what i hear the question says jessica i imagine it's already hard enough to date because you're fat and ugly that's what i hear i imagine it must be even harder when you're pregnant Unless it's a niche fetish. Because obviously, JD, pregnant women are so disgusting that the only people who could possibly want to have sex with them are their husbands who are obligated to have sex with them or someone with a niche fetish. Because we're not just humans on our own. Those are the only two options. 
Can I just state that anyone who doesn't think that motherhood is attractive and really hot, you need to get right with yourself because that's some of the most sexiest shit ever. The pregnancy wop is next level. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't even need lube. Like the pregnancy wop. Yeah. That's the title of the episode. <laughs> Not to come in on your path and tell you what to do, but that's the title of the episode. No, we were thinking the same thing at the same time. Obviously, this person sucks. Obviously, there's a lot wrong with this email. So I screenshotted it and I blasted it on our Instagram page, warning people, if you write in with some fuckery like this, we're going to make fun of you. Mm -hmm. Then a few minutes later, we got this email. Hi, Jessica and Joe. I love the podcast and can't wait for more. I do feel compelled to respond to one of your social media posts regarding some questions that were asked of you. Is this a serious podcast trying to help people navigate polyamory or just some comedy sketch? Was your request for or was your request for questions not a genuine one? This person took time to ask you what I think are legit questions. Maybe they chose their working to fit the tone of your memes. Your response was to label them toxic masculinity. I have to ask, are you seriously trying to remodel love and help the polyam community? Or are you just in this for an echo chamber ego boost? Like I said, I think the episodes of the podcast are great so far. I hope you decide you want to help the community and not just talk down to people. First of all, this is this is really this is really close to my heart. And I do want to put it out there that if you are ever wondering what my real intentions with this podcast are, like, let it be known. I am here for the echo chamber ego boost. <laughs> Duh, that's why any creator creates anything. <laughs> let, let that be known um, first and foremost. Secondly, can we have a little chat about tone policing? Let's talk about tone policing. Sexism, again. And get, you know what? The first email, definitely white man. I would put half of my life savings, which is not very much because we're fucking millennials. What are they going to do with $4, Jessica? <laughs> Let's talk about that. You know what? I found $20 in my kid's piggy bank today. And you bought so snacks 20... with it, so $4. <laughs> so I bet my total life savings, the first email, white man. I bet half of my life savings that this email, probably a white man, but it could be a white woman. Mm -hmm. It really could. It's a lot softer, so maybe a white woman. Still judgy. <laughs> Still a fucking bootlicker for the fucking patriarchy. So tone policing is when a righteous person, generally with a lot of privilege and entitlement, attempts to steer a conversation that calls out fuckery away from the object being called out and held accountable and to the person calling it out. So listen, it is your choice to listen to this podcast. Yeah, we called it Remodeled Love, but I am not interested in remodeling love inside of a fucking box built by the white supremacist, patriarchal, capitalist, bullshit, fuckery system. And bitch, if you're trying to remodel your house, you gotta knock down a couple walls. Yeah. Bring those my hammer out. It is part of the process. So the affirmation whore inside of me like really appreciates that this person did the Oreo method of this email of like, let me butter you up with a compliment and then slide in my critique and then compliment you at the end. But this person direct quote says, I think they asked some very valid questions. Sir, ma'am, if you think that those questions in that first email were anything less than fucked up, then you're part of the problem too. Hey, Jess, I know that that guy said that you were fat and ugly and that dating for you was really, really hard. But, like, I have the same question. <laughs> Is it harder for you now being fat, ugly, but also carrying a baby? 
this person's going to be like, they didn't call you that. You projected that. Um, they objectified pregnant women. And they did. I mean, if you read the rest of the comments on Instagram, people are like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever read. So I feel like the majority of woke people mm. understood what, what the fuck was wrong with that first email. Someone said something hella rude. You had every right to be like, hey, this came into us and this is fucked up and this is the fuckery that I will not accept. And someone went out of the way to be like, mm, I don't like the way that you handled that. And those are some legitimately questions, some legitimate questions, which is so, so dumb because you're already telling you, first of all, I think that you're wrong. I think the way that you're doing things is really, really bad. Is this are you true to your word or are you doing something else? But also, I love the content and I'm having so much fun with it and I love learning from you. Pick a struggle. Well, and then they tried to throw my intention and my title back in my face. Are you really trying to remodel love? Look, love in the James Baldwin quote is about showing people what they do not see. And sometimes that might hurt. I am not here to make things fluffy for entitled people. Mm. Okay. So if your email has some fucked up shit in it, I'm going to call it out. And I do not need to make you feel good about it while I do it. Now, to a certain extent, I'm not going to blast you mm. on social media if your email comes in at a certain level of like, this is fucked up. I'm going to save it for the podcast. And I'm going to explain why this question's fucked up. This one passed that level. Right. So you got blasted. It's anonymous. Who the fuck did I hurt other than a white man's feelings? Also, clearly not the best well-worded written email. And you're going to come in and defend it? <laughs> like, that's what you're... You woke up today and you said, instead of learning, instead of growing, instead of coming up with answers for myself, I'm going to go online listen to this person tell me that they were that this struck a wrong chord and was in fact offensive and i'm gonna go in and be like but let's play the devil's advocate yeah. you're wrong <laughs> you need to change how you address this and you need to answer the questions in an appropriate and respectful manner the devil has enough advocates homegirl you're just a bitch <laughs> stop. stop why are you trying to defend rude people they don't need your defending and honestly they would not come to your defense if you needed it now that's the truth right there and i think that the tone of that second email is really saying don't you want to create a safe space for people to ask questions and i want to create a space for people to ask questions but like i said earlier this is not a safe space in the progressive white girl sense of the word mm. the truth being held accountable and seeing what it is you need to see is more important than your feelings. Yeah, homegirl, learn when to step down. This is not a let's look at both sides of the issue. <laughs> Relax. White liberals need to calm down. <laughs> that is not what this is. And sometimes you need to recognize that people are just wrong and bad. And it's okay to be like, you are wrong and bad. And speaking of wrong and bad, we're going to take a break from the first half <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> uh, it's a 45 second break. I'm going to pregnant pee and we'll be right back with a, a very emotional and intense question we got uh, on instagram that i want to dedicate the entire uh second part of this podcast to and when we come back i'll be doing a full imitation of the sound of jess's pee <laughs> <laughs> hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline hey friends this is jessica levity day lover reminding you that you are not alone on the polyamorous path if you're looking for peer support or coaching on your non-monogamous journey and you want to work with the day lovers head to remodeledlove.com and book with us today 
Okay, welcome back to Remodeled, episode four. How are we all doing? Um, feeling good, looking good. So before we get into the second half, I have to tell you, JD, mm. that Mr. Day Lover is high as fuck right now. Not on marijuana. LSD. <laughs> Close. Sure. It's another three-letter drug known as NR. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Known as NRE, New Relationship Energy. <sighs> this bitch walking around with this grin on his face all fucking day. Also, can I just take a second to give a shout out to the woman that my man is crushing on so hard right now? Because never in Mr. Daylover's life have I seen this man attached to his phone. <gasps> The man who hates his phone, who never takes his phone anywhere, who loses his phone every other month. Do you know how convenient that is for me? <laughs> he responds to my text so quickly now. What do you have to say for yourself, Joe? Hang on a second. I got to finish sending this text. <laughs> be with you in a moment um what's he's, your question he's in that phase of nre where he like cannot sleep and so for like the other night he was like up all night and every time i'd wake up to pee which is a lot when you're eight months pregnant i was like bitch are you still up he's like i can't sleep <laughs> there's electricity <laughs> running through my body like, this is my favorite drug y'all and I like I like drugs, only some of the ones you just listed. And I'm a fan of the novel Frankenstein, so it hit a little close to home. You know, the electricity <laughs> moving through one's blood. Literature, people. Right. So for those of you who don't know, NRE is something in the polyam world. It exists in all worlds, but it's the feeling of the dopamine high that you get when you're falling for a crush but that crush is also falling for you back and you're communicating a lot and it's going really well new relationship energy that's the high it's my favorite drug in the world and i just from someone who's high as shit on it right now how are you feeling i feel great i feel fantastic it's fun i'm having a good time this person's pretty cool and yeah it's great and you're super supportive i wingmanned that shit and so you know it's not anything right now we in a panty they're not meeting yeah let us they're stress not, here yeah. yeah that we are covid compliant yeah here. they're not yeah they're not like mingling uh physically or anything it is all digital at hence this the attachment to the phone hence the attachment to the phone one of the reasons polyamory is so fun is making fun of your partner when they all goofy high on nre just in general, making fun of them. So doing it another for a reason, it's like so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And just having gone through this a number of times is, oh, I know what I know what this is. Or I, I know what stage you're at. I'm like, shut up, mom. <laughs> no, totally. God. And what's the difference? Why is this one? I don't know. Like, well, each energy dynamic is different between sets of persons. And that's just what this one is. I think it's cool to talk about live updates and things like that. And this is part of the payoff is that you get to experience new dynamics that are fun and interesting and show you a lot. And what are you learning about yourself or what are you registering? Hmm, that's a good question. It, it's a little early to say, mm -hmm. I think, but it's showing me so far that this kind of energy of putting myself out there and putting the time in for relationships more than I would in the past is the way that I want to be. Yeah, it's cool timing because as we've talked about before, up until now, he's been very, I don't put myself out there. I only come to what falls in my lap, blah, blah, blah. And then he said toward the end of last year, I'm ready to start actively trying. And he put that intention out for like 
two weeks and then in came this like perfect energy. Well, and that's so exciting and not to speak on your behalf, but um, in the times where I did find that I was dating, those are the times that I felt most comfortable, most positive about myself because me being a person who is trying to impress or work to make someone else like me is like the best version of me. And like, obviously if it's paying back off for you, if you decided, oh, this, I am open to it. And I mean, the response that came back is obviously super positive. Like that just feels really really good and you can carry a different energy around you so i can only imagine how exciting that must be now yeah definitely it's great i mean and it's it's a kind of energy that fuels into other areas and has a kind of ripple effect yeah for sure what is a ripple effect or where do you feel like it's going you just have i feel like i have more attention on even though i'm getting a little sucked into my phone on occasion i do feel like it makes my energy more active and present when I'm not getting sucked in and making sure that, of course, her needs are met, that we take care of our kid and that they are happy and fulfilled because I want everyone else to experience the level of of happiness that I'm currently enjoying. Yeah. And this saying this, if I didn't preface it with my I never feel like my needs aren't met by this one. I really feel like he is dream husband and dream dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a difference of like. I feel like he is extra because he knows he's indulging in this fun thing Mm -hmm. and that me being so supportive of that makes him really like, babe, what do you need? Do you need me to massage your calves tonight? Do you need me to go to the store? What do you need, babe? How are you? And again, not that he wouldn't do that anyway, Mm -hmm. but there is a, there is like a hint of thank you so much for supporting me in this really fun exciting thing that's happening and it's romance and so it's more fun than just like I met a cool neighbor you know Mr. Day Lover's feeling a little extra yeah Mr. Day Lover's feeling a little extra and so maybe there would be a night where I'd be like my calves really hurt when I'm pregnant like can you please massage them and he might be like I just don't feel like it tonight or I'm tired or I did it four nights in a row can I please have a night off and that doesn't make him toxic that's just might be how he's feeling Mm -hmm. but now it's like yeah what do you need do you want me to do like an extra 10 minutes do you need do you you need food or do you need to go bike out somewhere i got all this energy and i need to (laughs) burn it off somehow yeah and so he has extra energy and he's extra grateful so you're not feeling disconnected you are feeling a new energy in the ways you're already connected big time gang shit yeah plus she's fucking cool so i'll decide if she's cool (laughs) that's true (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's get on with this email that came in uh, via Instagram. All right. This is really, really sweet. And I love that you sent me this one like previously because I was like, how gorgeous. Like this is the cool power that your show has. I'm happily married to my husband of five years. I love him more now than I did the day we got married. But I'm also completely still in love with my ex. Over the summer, my husband and I had a don't ask, don't tell weekend. We both decided on this. He slept with a woman and regretted it. I slept with and had a weekend with my ex and it was one of the most freeing experiences of my life. I came home happier than I've ever been with thoughts of having both in my life at once. But when I saw how upset the experience made my husband, I immediately stifled those happy feelings again. I threw myself back into my monogamous relationship and I hate it. My husband has come around since then. He is now more open to the idea of polyamory with boundaries, but we haven't had the official talk yet and I'm terrified. I think I'm terrified to tell him that the man I want is my ex. I have not acted on any of this since we agreed, since the agreed upon weekend. This man in question lives in another country anyway, but we do still talk and I've been honest about that with my husband. I don't know. Maybe my husband already knows and is just waiting for me to say it out loud, but I don't know how to have that conversation or when. I just wish I could share my life with both. 
it would be a parallel situation. It wouldn't even really affect my husband and his day-to-day life. I'm just tired of holding on to these feelings of guilt and shame for loving this other man every day of my life. Ugh. Thank you so much for sending in this email, whoever you are. My heart, it hurts for you. And I don't want to say breaks for you, it hurts for you. Because what I hear initially in this email is someone who who loves two people. Mm-hmm. And I remember when that was happening to me, it was like, okay, I need to tell Joe that I'm in love with someone else and not in love with someone else instead of you, but I am also in love with someone else. And because of the way our culture has been programmed, codependent, toxic monogamy, not all monogamy is toxic and codependent, but our culture has been programmed to toxic codependent monogamy a lot of times that's just what you hear even if that's not what you said like i'm in love with someone else so you don't love me no or i think ultimately what is bubbling up inside of you needs to come to the surface the longer that it's put off the the harder that it's going to be it's just like other truth-telling scenarios i think it's really really hard when you throw that the x into the equation yeah oh yeah that makes it even harder that's tough yeah that's the part that i'm like oh everything else like in due time your partner will come around it's a hard process for everyone everyone's covering at their own time but being that the other person you want to be with is your ex is very very hard not knowing every single facet like i wish we could interview this person to then be like here's maybe best how to maneuver the situation because like um my ex is really really great my ex is fantastic but i can easily understand that having that connection and um, if I, in when I engage in another relationship, I'm like, that's part of the package because that's also one of my closest friends now. Even that conversation is going to be very, very hard for another person to be like, in this culture of like toxic monogamy, how can you still be friends with your ex? How can you still be friends with your ex? How can you still get along with your ex? And in fact, how do you still have love for your ex? Obviously, you guys broke up for a reason or it didn't work out for some reason. So why is this the person that you might, quotation marks, jeopardize your current relationship with? If, it, if it's already something that's in the past. So I think that's very, very hard. And like Jess said, my heart hurts for this question because it's not going to be, it doesn't seem like it's going to be easy. The first thing I want to do is I want to at least create the script for something that is probably has a 0.01% chance of happening. But I want to put it out there, out there that there is a world in which this per- person goes to her husband, tells the truth about herself, which is what we call that, lays it all out on the line. And the husband goes, wow, you know what? I can see why you you still have feelings for your ex you guys seemed like a really great pair I'm so glad that you guys still have that chemistry and you know what um I would love it if you guys pursued some kind of relationship maybe we could work it into our family's budget that you go visit him once a year and maybe he comes here once a year I don't you know have an interest in seeing him or whatever that's what she refers to the parallel parallel polyamory is when you you don't interact with each other's other loves versus kitchen table polyamory. I'm super excited for you and I'm glad that that relationship didn't die and I hope that it fulfills something in you and I'm so glad that you still love me too and I'm so glad that I get to be a part of this journey with you. So share this podcast episode with them to let them know how they should be responding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's and I don't I wouldn't yes, I wouldn't even say I should. I just want to put it out there that that world exists. The problem is the script doesn't exist. We don't have that script script and so no even if in your heart you wanted to respond that way you would have to be a total outlier in the system to even be able to hijack all of the programming in your mind that would be fritzing out at that point so in all seriousness if I were approaching this as a coach uh, which is a service that we do 
offer. Um, The first thing I would remind this listener is one choice you have is to never do anything about this is to live in fear and to swallow these feelings and forget that it exists. That's a choice that a lot of people make. It sounds like to me that that's not a choice that is serving your mental well-being. You are not able to control the feelings and desires that you're having. Those are out of your control. And so the first thing that I would really say is I want to remind you that you are not responsible for other people's feelings. So I know it is super hard in our codependent culture because we are taught from the earliest age with as simple as the phrase we say to our kids, you made me feel sad when you did this. So the phrase you made me feel, that's an inaccurate statement. No one can make you feel anything. So when coming to your partner with something to tell the truth about yourself, even in the situation in which you haven't done anything wrong, you have not cheated, there's been no infidelity, you are actually very bravely coming to your partner to confess some feelings that you're experiencing. Whatever they do with that information is not your responsibility. And the more that you can stand in that power and in that truth and that knowing, the better the experience will be for you because you can let your partner have whatever comes up for them when you do that. Most likely versus the script I offered in this other parallel universe, they will feel betrayed, um, scared. They're going to feel like you don't love them anymore. They're going to feel like you're leaving them. Um, They're going to feel like you emotionally cheated. None of that has anything to do with you. That is all their stuff. And I know that this is a really difficult concept for people, but if you wanted my honest guidance on that question, it starts there for me. You're not responsible for how your partner feels about it. Once you tell them, they'll probably try to make you responsible for their feelings. And then you have to continue to stand in that storm knowing you're not. And the more guilt that you hold for the feelings that you have, the easier it will be for you to pick up that burden for them. So when you are dismantling codependency, the person you're dismantling from is going to do everything they can to get you to pick up that, I always see like a tug of war rope in my mind. So you've just dropped your end and they're going to try to do everything they can to pick it up. And if you are guilt, if you have guilt and shame, you're going to pick it back up and go, I'm so sorry for all of these wounds that are coming up for you right now. Here, let me hold them for you. Something that I witnessed, especially with your baby, um, is when you would turn an issue into a non-issue. So um, one of the things that you guys let me know right away was like, oh, if he falls, don't make it a giant issue. Don't make like, don't go pick him up. Don't tell him that it's okay. Don't negate his feelings. If he's hurt, he's hurt. But then don't also be like, are you okay? Like if you're just like, oh, nothing's wrong or you're fully confident in that, then people will read the messages you're sending and be like, oh, I am fine. And I think if you release that guilt, if you acknowledge the fact that someone's response to what you have to say, what your truth is, what your version of love is, and you say it confidently, then it, the vibes that you sent out and that other people potentially received could be a lot better. So if you state yes. it in a confident way saying, hey, I love you enough to tell you that this is what I'm going through, what my needs are, what I want to see for us, and I'm willing to work with you to get there, whether it be time, patience, if we have more questions, if we do need counseling or coaching, I want to do that, but I want to do that with you because I do care about you. There's really not a lot of room for people to pick up like, oh, you're cheating on me or you don't care about me or you want to leave. Like you have stated clearly what your intentions are, how you feel, how you perceive like a solution to be. And you're providing that for someone who could be like, you know what? You have thought this out. You are caring. You are confident. I trust that. I trust that in you and I trust that in our relationship. So I may be hesitant, but I might be game for what this is. That is so fucking accurate. 
thank you for bringing that into the space because I think about that all the time. So often, like we always say energy doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. So you might be performing verbally a certain script you've written in your mind and practice in the shower 500 times. But if your energy is sending out a vibration of guilt and shame, your partner is unconsciously going to beat you with it mm-hmm. because you are sending out, please beat me with this. Um, whereas if you just com- and confidently and then back to the unconditional love and with unconditional love comes no expectations of how they handle something so i love what you said like start the conversation with i want to let you know that i love you i care about you this relationship is my number one priority but i want to tell you something that's been going on in my head and i remember saying that to joe actually back to the first email of this podcast i remember saying to him i feel really weird having something in my head that i don't share with you Mm -hmm. and as my partner i would want you to be able to hear all of the things in my head Right. And your partner would want to listen to them. Yes. Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, actually, that's not true. No, I, I that I think that's part of what has made our relationship so successful is we want to we have a genuine desire to know where the other one is at at all times. So I love what you said, JD. Like really I know that when people write emails like this, they're really kind of in a a fearful place, maybe possibly drowning internally, and they want this piece of advice that's going to like get them the result that they want. But really, the advice is you need to come back to yourself and you need to decide, first of all, I just need to get this out there. And your partner could be like, no fucking way. And then the choice is back on you to go, okay, well, I tried. I put it out there. At least you know where my brain is. Right. And I choose to stay with you and I choose to let it go. Or um, that doesn't work for me. And I think I would like to explore a relationship with someone more compatible with me having multiple loves. Right. And I think it's the responsibility ultimately that freaks everyone out. Right. And I guess the like the gray area is where mostly people are freaked out because if someone says, yes, I want to do this with you, that's great. Or if someone says, no, I don't. Like, this is absolutely a dumb idea. And in fact, I'm going to leave you forever. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen there? That would be it. You are left alone without that partner that you just claim that you love and is your priority. Mm-hmm. Maybe all the gray area in the middle is where they're like, well, what if what if I tell them and they don't even leave me, but then they set conditions for me? Or they say, you can be polyamorous. We are polyamorous, but you can't have that one person. Then it gets, starts getting more and more complicated. And it's already a complicated situation as it is. So maybe that middle ground is really where the hardest parts could be. But like Jess said, like we've all said, if you stick to your grounds, if you if you acknowledge what it is that you want, if you have the conversation with yourself first, if you acknowledge what you want, if you know what you need and you know how to get there, providing those steps for someone else could really help them along in their journey. And even if it takes time, maybe the immediate answer is, no, I want to divorce and I want to leave you forever and I'm taking everything and the kids. It could be like, hey, I'm not comfortable with that. Maybe we can talk about it some other time. That's not the space that I'm in right now. Right now, I, I really feel like we need to work on here because then it's someone else telling you their needs as well. And as with any good relationship, it's not necessarily compromise, but it's the meeting of each other's needs and being that person for each other and understanding, oh, if there's something that I can't provide or if they want something different, I should also make sure that they have access to that as opposed to being a person who needs stuff because that's where you get the issues amen to all that and in this parallel perfect community healthy communication universe this person's like hey here's everything going on in my head and their partner's like "Ooh, okay feel kind of sideswiped let me sit with that Mm -hmm. okay how long do you need Mm, two weeks okay great 
cut to two weeks later. Okay, I sat with it and I'm not comfortable with it. Um, so I need you to decide whether or not you want to pursue that or you want to stay in a monogamous relationship with me. Okay, great. Um, give me two weeks to think about that. Okay, great. Cut to two weeks later. Okay, so I thought about it and I think I want to stay here and I appreciate you giving me the space to share what was going on in my head. Okay, great. Me too. Or I thought about it and I actually do think that that is a relationship model that I would like to try. So I think we should talk about decoupling. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, great. Should we talk about that now? Actually, no, like let's deal with it in a month. I need to just like compartmentalize all of this for a month. Okay, great. Like there is that world in which two grown ass people are taking total responsibility for not only their feelings and emotions, but wants and needs and how they're going to get there. I think that's the common through line in all of those things you brilliantly listed off is figuring out exactly what you want. And really sitting with that and learning what exactly that is for you. And so being able to express that clearly, as JD mentioned, will be key. And disclaimer, this is, I think this, what I'm about to say probably has a lot of my personal bias in it. Um, I would really encourage the person who wrote this message to really examine, do they think they're polyamorous? Because I would caution if you love your husband and then you think you're just in love with your ex and you just want permission to bone them occasionally, like twice a year or whatever. I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with that specific scenario, but I would just caution like, if you're polyamorous, I think this is worth pursuing. If you're not polyamorous and it's really just your partner or your ex, this one person that you're like coveting in your mind, um, when and if your husband is like no fucking way, you might want to consider like, okay, well, that's fine. I'm not polyamorous anyway. But I, if you're polyamorous, it's not going to stop here. Like, it's not just going to say your husband said no to this one person and I can let it go. Like, polyam people need to, the polyam's going to be polyan. You know what I mean? And so I would really, um, my polyamory is deeply tied to my sense of happiness, sexuality, and identity. So for someone to ask me to not be polyamorous would not work for me. Um, if this person is like, uh, it's really just my ex that I want, then you know, my advice might not apply so much. And to add a little bit of flavor to that, we also have to acknowledge that the timeline is going to be long or at least a little bit. It's not going to, you're not going to get a solution that same night. Even if you do get a solution, it could change by the next day. Once people have had time to dream about it, sleep on it, or you do need those two weeks and then you need an additional two weeks, but other people are responsible for your feelings and you're not responsible for other people's feelings, but you also have to come to an understanding that you have prepared all of this in advance and you are dropping this on someone who loves you and cares about you and wants to know what you are thinking, but they also need time to process. And they also don't want to maybe say the wrong thing or be off-putting, but may need time to do that. So just get real used to that. Maybe set some boundaries for yourself. Be like, I will give you time, but I would like to have these conversations by this time just so we can make sure that we're catching up and it's not a problem that we're ignoring, but there will be effort needs to be made on both sides. Yeah, hold off on uh, booking the flight there. Right. <laughs> well, and in, in my experience, if this person is like a majority of people that I know, they will feel hurt mm -hmm. and scared. They will blame you for feeling hurt and scared. So the lie that they will be believing is that the f hurt and scared that they're feeling is because of something you're doing to them, which is an illusion. It is not true. And they will most likely use um, passive aggressive tactics to punish you. 
And it's really, and this is just most likely what I would put my money on is going to happen. But I, you know, I don't know your husband. I would just say, watch out for that because you will only accept that to the extent that you feel worthy of that, Mm -hmm. that you feel that you deserve it. And so what that could look like is distancing, heavy size, moodiness, retreating, storming out, yelling, fighting, refusing to talk about it. Um, In all of the ways that like couples who have been together for a really long time know how to punish each other. (laughs) Like, and and, and he, and he probably knows all your buttons. And so he's going to start pressing them. And that's when shit gets really toxic. And because the culture errs on the side of monogamy, the culture would support your husband in doing all of that. So you would be seen as the toxic person for having those feelings and he would be supported in acting like a victim-y dickhead, to be honest. Is there something, let's say she's like, hey, babe, I want to have this conversation, but I feel like you should listen to this podcast that I listen to because it's really, really helpful. What could we provide for the husband in this situation? Is there anything that we could provide that could help him process this information, let him know that it's okay what 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 advice can we give to that gentleman what a great question um culture polyam culture like i say it in every episode that if you are interested in exploring polyamory and this was something that i was hoping was going to tie back into that very first email we read at the beginning of the episode which is how do you tell your partner who has no idea what polyamory is that you're interested in it you have to create the culture by giving them the media Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can say, hey, I just learned about this new thing called polyamory and I've been listening to these podcasts, reading these blogs. Um, I'm on polyamory, this, you know, Reddit's polyamory. I'm following these meme accounts. Um, There are some fantastic Instagram accounts that are all about dismantling and deprogramming the monogamous belief system in your head. Mm -hmm. And again, not to turn everyone polyamorous, but just to expand the semiology of the culture. Um, Having this conversation with someone who has not consumed any polyamorous media can be really dangerous. I think answering the question for themselves, too, is also paramount. Do you think you are polyamorous? And is that something you could want? And the biggest red flag for me in the email is they attempted a free pass weekend and he freaked out and regretted his. Mm -hmm. And I, again, if this were a couple coming to me for um, polyamorous coaching, which again, when when we say we offer polyamorous coaching, this isn't to help you learn to be polyamorous it's first and foremost to assess whether or not you even qualify as ready right (laughs) yeah like there's no agenda here like we will straight up tell you this is not right for you please do not do it and we will not help you but if we deem that you are ready then absolutely we're here to help you dismantle the programming if i were coaching this couple i would ask why did you freak out and why did you regret it i think that's actually super powerful because the first time that me and my former partner experimented with that they actually went on a date first they actually went on a date that led to a hookup and they couldn't go through with it and actually that night they came back and they were like i need to have a conversation with you um i attempted it and we said that we could talk about it or not talk about it and i want to talk about it with you here are the reasons why i was uncomfortable so then as a person who has never engaged in polyam media they were just like i don't know what to do and i don't know why i'm feeling this way but i am feeling guilty and i can't even enjoy myself we were able to have those conversations and say okay is it because you still felt like you were cheating on me mm-hmm. is it felt like you weren't doing this for you Did, were you doing this just to experience polyamory or were you doing it because it was something that you needed so there are several questions that you can ask there 
to be like, why was it the wrong person? Was it not the right time? Were you just not into it? Was it because you just had to fulfill your hall pass and you were going to get super, super jealous if your partner hooked up with someone else and you did it? <laughs> you have to have those conversations as well. And it has to be both parties or all parties involved have to take a look at themselves too. Yeah. And I think it's cool that as a couple, you all did that. Um, and of course, we're theorizing because we're not in a conversation with this couple and we're just going off of this email. But th- you bring up such great points. Did they not enjoy it because they're just not wired for polyamory? Or did they really enjoy it, but they just had a lot of guilt and they had too much programming and hadn't dismantled enough to even enjoy it? Because those are two, now we're different ball games. because I can work with the that second scenario. I can work with that couple. Right. First scenario, if this person's like, I am just not wired for it, I cannot work with you because this is not for you. Right. And any any information or any advice that you receive, you're like, well, this doesn't apply to me. Your head will do it. Even if you're trying to be an active listener, your, your brain will deny it because you're like, this isn't. But that being said... I know personally plenty of healthy couples where one partner is monogamous and the other one is polyamorous. So there is still a world in which the husband is like, I have zero interest in exploring with someone else, but honey, I support you thoroughly twice a year fucking your ex. Wouldn't the quote unquote monogamous person actually be considered polyam if they're in a relationship with someone who's polyam, but they don't go out and explore themselves? Um, I believe those people still self-identify as monogamous, at least the ones that I have personally talked to. Interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, and I'm not here to tell someone that their identity is wrong. If if you resonate with the concept of monogamy, but you support your partner in being polyamorous, that's up to you. And in fact, let us know if you are one of these people who still identifies as polyamorous, but doesn't engage in polyamory except for your partner. I'm actually talking to one on TikTok right now, and I love her. And I was like, can we please do an episode in the future? Because talk about semi semiology breaking interviews mm-hmm. her her husband loves it for her but is so monogamous for himself and just is like and it's not toxic uh he hasn't been coerced that's the question they get a lot like well obviously he's been forced into this situation she's like no it just works for him also love is not a prison no one's forced to do anything and if you're being, you feel like you're being forced to do something in a relationship get out yeah for sure okay I would love to theorize. We probably could have done an entire episode just on this one um, email. So I want to thank this person for writing in and for your vulnerability. And my heart is with you. Um, and should you and your husband decide this is something you want to explore and you'd like to work with Joe and I on some coaching services, you know, let us know. You can um, write in to Remodeled Love at remodeledlove at gmail.com. You can fill out the anonymous form at homesliceproductions.com slash remodeled. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at homesliceproductions. You can find us on Instagram as well at your judgmental friend, which is more of ex- exclusively our polyam account. JD? Um, you can find me online everywhere at JD Montalongo, except for, I think, Twitter, which is JD underscore Montalongo. Because some bitch that hasn't tweeted since 2014 has a handle on that and I can't wait to sue. Um, you can also find my podcast, Your Fate Bad Movie. And you can also, as previously mentioned, find my show, Deadweight Survival Guide, on Ghostlight TV. And it's a blast and a half if you ever want to take a break and just watch two people who are in love with each other do zany stuff, say zany stuff, and give you some cool recommendations because your taste is really, really bad. 
I want to thank all of the people who have been a part of the 700 plus downloads we've received on the first three episodes of this podcast. If you like the content that we're making on here, on TikTok, on YouTube, and you want to become a part of it, you can become a patron at our Patreon, patreon.com slash homeslice for as little as $3 a month. I want to give a shout out to our executive producers, Home Slice Productions. That's me and Amy Stashik Moore. She's one of our executive producers on Patreon. I want to thank JD. Mr. Day Lover. I want to thank the universe. And thank our toddler for sleeping through the recording of this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. It is possible to redefine love. You're listening to Remodeled, the podcast. I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new.